I want to share with you a passage that comes from Luke chapter 10 tonight. So if you want to go ahead and grab your copy of God's Word and make your way to that passage, this week is going to be a continuation of what we considered last week together as I shared with you and encouraged you to engage in this anthem that God placed upon my heart and upon Ashley's heart to pronounce over 2020 of, I want more. And I had plans of beginning a whole new series with you this week, but really began to feel like God still had more to speak into our lives concerning the matter at hand. So tonight we're going to jump into part two of what we started last week underneath the subject of, I want more. And it comes from a familiar account in Luke when Jesus drops in to visit two sisters by the name of Martha and Mary. So Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38, God's word says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And I have to tell you guys that my spirit and heart are so full tonight as I share these truths with you. And I feel like that's probably one of the main reasons why I was under such spiritual attack right beforehand as we got started tonight because all day my heart has been full to the brim in anticipation to share this message with you guys tonight. And as wicked and as evil as our enemy may be, on the adverse of that, I want to proclaim that our God is good and He is kind and full of love and He has since the beginning of time been pursuing each and every one of us. And there's nothing better than being caught by God and then becoming captivated with God. And so Luke details this account of Jesus as he moves from town to town doing ministry, stopping to stay at the house of Martha and Mary. Now, I've read and studied this particular passage many different times. I've even, caught, I've even taught a couple of different lessons from it throughout the years. And so at this point, I've become very familiar with all the details surrounding this story. Martha's running around the house, and she's cleaning, and she's cooking, and then here's Mary just sitting at the feet of Jesus, seemingly not doing anything. And in the process, Martha gets extremely frustrated with the fact that she seems to be doing all the work while her lazy sister is just sitting there at Jesus' feet. And so eventually she gets frustrated, and she lets Jesus know about her frustration. And then by the end of the story, Jesus calmly teaches her and reassures her, Martha, you need to chill out, girl. You're anxious and you're troubled about all kinds of different things, but only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, and it won't be taken away from her. I've read this several times. I've learned plenty of different practical applications for my life through this lesson. And there's plenty of other different applications that I could teach you about this particular passage tonight. But as God settled my eyes and my heart on this passage again the other day, 
he revealed a detail to me that I had never seen before in this story. And it's the fact that Mary, in this moment, is exhibiting the heart of someone who simply just wants more of Jesus. And I told you last week that if you want more, you've got to make a move. Do me a favor. Turn to the person next to you and tell them you've got to move. Tell them you've got to move. Grab them by the shoulders if you have to and shake them and say, you've got to move. Now, I'm sorry. Turn back to that person and tell them, I'm, I apologize. That was rude. You don't have to move. You can sit by me the rest of the message if you want to. I didn't really mean it like that. But seriously, if you want more, you've got to make a move. You've got to take action. You've got to set yourself in motion. You've got to move towards Jesus if you want to receive more of Jesus. So tonight I want to expand a little more on what that movement looks like. And in seeking to do so, God pointed me to a woman that was sitting. It's kind of funny. Don't you think? I'm working through this and I'm like, God, what, how can I expand? How can I, how can I pour this out into their lives even more about the importance of, of moving towards you to receive more of you? He says, use Mary as an example. I'm like, but, but Mary's sitting. Lord, you, you're going to make me look like a dope. Because I'm like, you've you got to move. You've got to take action. You've got you to gotta get after it. And he's like, use Mary. I'm like, but she's just sitting there. He's like, I know. I know. But I'm going to show you something cool. I want to show you what God showed me. Can I? Can I show you? Thank you. I want to show you guys how even though she was sitting, she had still made a move. And so if we want more, we've got to do like Mary. And first of all, make a move in proximity. You've got to make a move in proximity. As Jesus arrives at the house and enters in, the text tells us that Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So Jesus is in the house. Aren't you thankful that Jesus is in the house tonight? And Mary moves herself to a position that places her as close to Jesus as she could possibly get. On the other hand, Martha, her sister, is busy moving all around the different rooms of the house, tidying up for Jesus, pouring the tea, making up the bed, sweeping the floor, doing her best to try to be a good host to the guests that they have in their house. And let me just make sure that we all understand something at this point. Proximity. Everybody say proximity. Proximity is the measure of your nearness to something. And I think it's important that we understand that. Proximity is the measure of your nearness to something. That being said, there is a vast difference between Martha and Mary's proximity in relation to Jesus. Mary moved to sit at the feet of Jesus. Martha is moving all around the house. Can I tell you something? You can be moving all around Jesus. But only when you move at Jesus do you receive more Jesus. Mary made a move at Jesus to sit at his feet. Martha was just busy moving all around 
Jesus. All Mary was concerned with was just staying close to Jesus. We've got, a, we've got an indoor dog. She's made mention and appearance in my messages before. Her name's Sadie. She's a long-haired dachshund. And I've never had a more affectionate dog in my entire life. Everywhere we go, she's right there. I can't tell you how many times we step on the poor thing just because she's literally underneath our feet everywhere that we go. And it's so bad that most of the time if I'm sitting on the couch or if Ashley's sitting on the couch, she's in somebody's lap. She has to constantly have, I mean, the dog's love language is physical touch. I don't know if a dog can have love language or not, but this dog has a love language of physical touch. She has to constantly be in contact with one of us. And a lot of times, Ashley will, will wake up in the middle of the night, or I'll wake up in the middle of the night, and I'll look over, and she'll be laying on the bed, and Sadie will literally be all the way up underneath her with her head underneath her chin like that. I mean, she's just as close as she can be all the time. It's like, I love her to death, but it's almost like annoyingly close is how close she has to be to you at all times. And all Mary was concerned with was just staying close to Jesus. And Scripture sees this as an important principle to be found in our lives. We should have a desire to stay close to Jesus. When Moses was on Mount Sinai in that place, chapter 33 and verse 15, God told him after he gave him the Ten Commandments to then leave that place. But Moses was so desperate to stay close to God, this is what he said. God said, Moses, I want you to pick the people up and I want you to go from this place. And in Exodus 33, 15, Moses says this in response to God telling him to move. If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. I don't know what's happening outside right now. But we're just going to hope and pray that this building can withstand whatever it is that's blowing up in here right now. Moses was so convinced that he needed the presence of God in his life, even though God told him to move, he says, I will, but only if you move with me. James taught it to the believers in chapter 4 and verse 8 in the letter that he wrote to the, the church in Jerusalem. He says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We should desire to stay within close proximity of God's presence in our life. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 145, verse 18, the Lord is near to all who call on him. So to call upon God is to bring him within close proximity of our life. Then another psalmist went on to write in Psalm 73 and verse 28, but for me, it is good to be near God. It's a good thing for us as believers to stay within close proximity of our Savior. So let me ask you, where are you at in proximity to Jesus tonight? Because I think if some of us were honest in our admission, it's been a long time since we've been close to God. And I'm going to give you an encouragement tonight. That's okay. That's okay. I'm not trying to judge you for where you're at in relation to Jesus. I'm not trying to judge you for how close you may or may not be to Him right now. I'm telling you, it's okay. But you need to keep a closeness to Him. If you want more, make a move in proximity. Keep yourself as close to Him as you possibly can. Listen, through His Word, through worship, through prayer, 
through community. That's how you keep yourself in close proximity to Jesus. And I mean keep yourself annoyingly close to him. I'm talking like my dog underneath my feet close. My dog laying on top of my wife with her head underneath her chin close. So much in Jesus' grill that he can't help but take notice of you at all times because you won't leave him alone. That kind of closeness. Can I give you a challenge? Try to annoy Jesus. I bet you can't. I bet you can't. But just try. Try to annoy him. Try to get as close as you possibly can to him and see if the result isn't him pouring out more of himself into you. If you want more, move in proximity to him. But then you also got to make a move in priority. So we see that you've got to make a move in priority. Everybody say priority. So we see that Mary is contently just sitting at the feet of Jesus. While the text goes on to tell us that Martha was distracted with much serving. And what I want you to see in this is that Mary made a move in priority. It's not that she didn't know there were things that needed to be done around the house. It's not that she was intentionally ignoring responsibility. It's just that she had decided in that moment nothing was more important or necessary than being in Jesus' presence. The laundry could wait. The dishes could wait. The sweeping and the dusting, it could wait. The cooking, all that could wait. All that mattered in that moment to Mary was just sitting in the presence of Jesus. But Martha's moving all over the house. She's serving, but don't miss this important detail. She's distracted. She's serving, but she's distracted. Get simple thing, it's not, it is relevant, but it's not where I'm trying to stay at tonight. Jesus would much rather have your heart than your hands. Do you get where I'm coming from? Why? Because to him, it was a beautiful thing that Mary was sitting at his feet. And Martha's running around the house and she's serving, but remember, she's distracted. And I, I've heard people say a lot of times that, well, you know, what Martha was doing, it wasn't necessarily wrong. But I would beg to differ. I would say that it was wrong. Because Jesus points to the fact that it's wrong. Yes, she's serving, but she's distracted. And Jesus would much rather have the attention of your heart than the service of your hands when it comes down to it. You know, we're living in a day of distraction. Would you agree? I read an interesting stat earlier. I, I don't necessarily think that it's true because I don't even know how you could quantitatively measure it. But they say, they say that the average attention span of the human is eight seconds now. And I don't necessarily think that's true. I mean, I think we could give ourselves a little more credit than that, but I don't know. Let's just say for, for exemplary purposes, for illustrative purposes, I thought I would just throw it in there. The average attention span of a, of a person nowadays is eight seconds. On the flip side of that, the, the average attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. Now becomes, if the studies are correct, Humanity has now become so distracted and so unable to hold a thought that we have sunken below the attention span of a goldfish. Maybe it's right, maybe it's not, I don't know. Either way, I do know that we are a people 
that are extremely distracted. Notifications are never ending. Schedules are slammed, packed. We attend classes. We work jobs. We compete in sports. We entertain relationships. And a lot of the things that we participate in are good. I'm not trying to knock on any of those things. I'm not trying to stand here on top of a pedestal and berate you guys and say, well, you shouldn't be giving your time to school or athletics or relationships or anything like that because I participated in all of it. And it's not inherently bad. Those are okay. Those are, those are good things. But listen to me. Anything that removes your priority off of Jesus and refocuses it on something else is a distraction. Anything. I think it's time that we as the people of God move our priorities around if we want to experience more of Jesus. We'll, we'll spend hours interacting with media. We'll spend hours studying for an exam. We'll spend hours researching for a paper. We'll spend hours hanging out with our friends or bay or whatever you want to call your, your fling. But we'll only give Jesus a few minutes, if anything. Let me ask y'all a question. Why isn't Jesus before anyone else? And we'll pour ourselves into these things, and they're okay. You know, by all means, make the best grade that you can. Have the highest GPA that you can. Pursue a career. Pursue a degree. That's fine. Pursue whatever passions that you have placed upon your heart. They're there for a reason. But be careful that they don't take the priority in your life because my heart aches, guys. My heart aches because I look around and I see a generation of people with such great potential to be used for the glory of God but who seem to only want to somewhat entertain Jesus at times in their life. Jesus doesn't deserve to be entertained as a part of our lives. He deserves to be exalted as the priority of our lives. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about the one that many of us have bowed a knee and confessed as our Lord and Savior. We're talking about the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're talking about the creator and the ruler and the sustainer of the universe who, by the way, left heaven with us on his mind and our salvation on his mind. Think about this. Jesus left heaven because you were his priority. Your salvation was his priority. Now, if Jesus himself can do all of that, then can we not at least in return make him ours? If you want more, you've got to move in your priority. You've got to reprioritize some things in your life. I'm not saying that you abolish things out of your life. I'm not saying that you quit school. I'm not saying that you quit your relationship. I'm not saying that you quit athletics. I'm not saying that you quit your job. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying all those things fall underneath Jesus as the head of your life. My priority is Christ. And Christ then affects Christ then affects my job and my career. Christ then affects my relationships. Christ then affects my performance, whether I'm in the classroom or I'm in the workplace or I'm on the athletic field of competition. Reprioritize if you want to experience more of Him. 
And then one last thing I feel like we need to make a move in. If we're going to experience more of Christ this year in 2020, we've got to make a move in petitioning. Everybody say petition. By the end of this account, Martha gets frustrated. And she finally petitions Jesus to do something about her sister. Now, to petition is to make a request to an authority with respect to a particular cause. So Martha petitions Jesus to do something on her behalf. She goes up to him and she says, Lord, help me because I'm having a hard time here, but Lord, do you not care? Or in other words, are you not concerned about the fact that my sister has left me to serve alone? Actually, I think it was the opposite. I think Jesus was concerned that Martha left Mary to sit alone. He wasn't concerned that Mary left Martha to serve alone. He was concerned about the fact that Martha left Mary to sit alone because he knew what was more important. And I feel like we've been kind of hard on poor Martha tonight. I feel like we beat her up a little bit. So I want to give her some credit. I want to give Martha some credit. At least she petitioned Jesus about something. At least when her frustration finally filled up, she went to the correct source to do something about it. And as she petitions Jesus to do something about what she became frustrated over her sister for, Jesus begins to lovingly teach her and correct her. Listen, guys, if we're going to receive more, we have to move in petitioning Jesus for it. If you want to receive more, you have to move in petitioning Jesus for it. I'm talking about each and every day going to him and asking, literally, physically, asking for more of him in your life, to pour out his spirit upon us, to fill our lives with his presence, to place within us a greater desire and passion for him than we have ever had or experienced in our entire lives. And the good thing about this is, is that if we will go and ask him for this very thing, if you will go and ask Jesus to pour out more of himself into your life, he promises to give it. There's no risk. This is like a risk-free trial on the infomercial on TV. We won't charge you anything for it. Risk-free. Call in. We'll send you your shipment today. If you don't like it, you can send it back. We'll give you 90 days to try it out. Jesus offers a risk-free trial of more of him. How can you lose? How can it? And you may think, well, how do you know, Trey? How do you know this is a guarantee? How can you guarantee me that if I go to Jesus and I petition him to pour out more of himself in my life, how can you give me a guarantee that he's going to do that? I can't. But he does. Go over into Luke chapter 11 with me real quick. Luke chapter 11. I'm going to start reading in verse 9. 
here in a moment. This is, this is briefly afterwards. Briefly afterwards, Martha and Mary and Jesus all had this encounter within Martha and Mary's house. And, and look at what Jesus says in verse 9. And he's speaking to a separate group of people here. But he probably wouldn't have been all that far from Martha and Mary's house. And in verse 9, look, look at what he says. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Everybody say, I want more. Look at Jesus' next three words. How much more? Will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? When you go to Jesus and you say, I want more, He comes back with, how much more? I want more. How much more? The next day I come back. I want more. How much more? The next day I come back. I want more. How much more? The next day I come back. I want more. How much more? The next day I come back. I want more. How much more? Time and time again when God's people come before him and cry out, I want more, his response is, how much more? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. If you keep your proximity close to Jesus, if you keep Jesus as your priority and you petition him day in and day out to flood your life with more of his power, his goodness, his glory, his grace, his mercy, his love, his vision, his guidance, his direction, Direction, his provision, his sustainment, he will give it to you time and time again. And after he's given you what you need for that day, he'll say, how much more do you want? That's a pretty good deal. Risk-free, remember. So let me say this. Try it at your own risk. And see how much more you might get. Hey, this is Trey Mitchell, college and young adult pastor. I just wanted to say thank you for listening. It's our prayer that God uses these messages in a way that challenge and encourage you to live for His glory. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior, we would love to help you with making that decision. Just reach out to us through our webpage at underwoodbaptist.org. Be sure to check back in with us next week as we again encounter God through His Word here at Life.